The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm, I'm here to interview you, Mr. Rogers. Well, that is what we're doing, isn't it? Do you consider yourself a hero? I don't think of myself as a hero. No, not at all. Would you like to meet my special puppet friends from the neighborhood of make-believe? Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I am Tobin Addington. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And today we are talking about the 2019 film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh. Um, Tobin? Yes. What is your um, history with this film? I really wanted to see it. I missed it in the theater. I bought it cheap on DVD and watched it last night for this podcast. Excellent. What about you? I... Watched it last night for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many things to say, but I want to save them for the appropriate sake. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Good. Good. Um, I rented it. Uh, You had offered to. I was supposed to send you the DVD and I never did. (laughs) No, no. I was going to say you offered to mail it to me and I said, that's silly. I shall rent it. And I did. And you did. Um, Yes. Did Did you know anything about it going in? I mean, you knew it was about Mr. Rogers, but. I knew your... Matthew Reese was in it because I like to keep a sharp eye. Yes. On what that beautiful Welshman is doing. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I'm a big fan of the Americans. Yes. Right. Yep. So I was glad to see him. Um, but again, I want to I I want to get into it when it's time to get into it. Let us first um, talk about uh, two bits of film history, please. Okay. All right, I don't know. So, I'm very excited to have you read these to me. I, I didn't read them in anticipation. So the only Oscar nomination for this movie was for Tom Hanks for Best Supporting Actor. There was a, 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 a at one point a thought that it might have a bunch of Oscar nominations. It was sort of in the discussion leading up to the Oscars this year. He lost that uh, to Brad Pitt uh, for, uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but Hanks won Best Supporting Actor at the AARP Movies for Grownups Awards. I now know what I need to stream next year (laughs) during awards season. There's a a movie podcast that I love um, uh, called This Had Oscar Buzz. um, Mm, Which, If you don't listen to, you must. And they talk about movies that had Oscar buzz, but then got no nominations. That's sort of their wheelhouse. And some, some of them are good and most of them are not good, but for sometimes interesting reasons. Um, and, and they get into a lot of tangents about the Oscars of the, that year or the, or that person's trajectory or the person who you know, should have been nominated or whatever. And they often talk about the AARP movies for grown up awards as, uh, uh, and they do games kind of like we do, but, um, anyway, that's yeah. where, that's where, um, I need to look for that. Uh, the other bit of film history is that the production designer, Jade Healy, who was responsible for uh, all the sets and costumes and all that, but um, particularly the models that that mm. they built for mm-hmm. transitions between scenes. Uh, there's a, a, few, a couple of wonderful interviews um, with the production designer, and I just wanted to read a, a couple sentences that um, I think 
uh, sum up the, kind of the way they work together to, to build that. Um, she says, uh, we wanted to show a side of humanity that was ugly and beautiful. The mm -hmm. miniatures had a rough around the edges quality, and that was important to us because we wanted to show the roughness. That's what life is. That's mm -hmm. what humanity is. It was important for Mr. Rogers to show that it's okay to show your feelings, that it's okay to be sad, that it's okay to make a movie that has these little rough around the edges elements, mm -hmm. which I never really thought about the intentionality behind the kind of rough looking, yeah. but, but also very comforting. Um, I mean, it uh, fits because it's always looked old to me, even as mm -hmm. a kid, right? Mm -hmm. It looked, when I say dated, I don't mean it with judgment, but it looked, right. um, so that that's interesting. I, I feel like I would like to talk more to the, like the artists and technicians and people who put those things together. And, and speaking of Oscars, it's sometimes in those speeches. Mm -hmm. um, was it costumes for uh, Mad Max that then the lady did a whole um, climate change and, and water conservation speech, you know, like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That um, you might be a costume nerd. Mm -hmm. But you're also have mm -hmm. all these other things just in the same way that like a director is going to choose a um, a project based on their own personal whatever. I just I like the unfolding of each of the people involved. So I, I like that. Thank you. I have mm -hmm. to say, audience, I'm very distracted watching Tobin right now because it's clear that he has had a haircut. <laughs> I did. I had a haircut. I have not. <laughs> It looks great, though. Your hair looks great it's out there. This is a reminder that we can see each other now when we record this, which we didn't use. So, a reminder to our I said, your hair looks great. And then it's a reminder to our audience that we can see each other as we record now, which is not always the case. And ourselves. <laughs> ourselves yes, I did. Have a, I did. I did have a haircut. I um, uh, we all wore masks. And I had my te tem temperature taken at the door and um, had to wait in my car until they called me in. And uh, nice. um, yeah, that it was like a better system anyway. <laughs> I actually kind of like it. I can get I can get my <laughs> delightfully trashy nails back on. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm counting and the days. Then you'll, then you'll know you've made it back. Yes. Not to make yeah. my I apologize for making my. No. Um. I so, appreciated yes. that, that, those two bits. Thank you. And yes, apologies for my distractions. Not at all. Uh, no one has an attention span anymore. So no, nope, nope. least of I'm all us. Um, would hey Aslan, who were the uh, ladies in charge in this movie? Women involved in major roles in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You know, there are many, and I hate to even say that I practiced the names once because. It's still not going to go well, but I'm not going to look at Tobin while I say them, and that will help. <laughs> this is always when I get nervous that I've mistyped one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. We'll see. Okay. Um, and I forget, are you adding dings? I or... added ding. Next time I'm going to bring my uh, bell in, Bible like phone, a real yeah. physical bell, and I'll just do a bell, but I don't have it with cool. me or so. Okay. I'll leave just, dings. Just space. leave some space, yeah. Space for the dingle. Okay. Director, Muriel Heller. Actors, Susan Kalichi Watson, Mary Ann Plunkett, Wendy McKenna, Tammy Blanchard, Carmen Cusack, and the incomparable Christine Lottie. Indeed. A fave of Tobin's, yeah? <laughs> uh, Am I 
anything not, about? Not particularly. I mean, I don't. I like her, but not yeah. in the not in the pantheon for me. I thought that was like you and Monier had a Christine Lottie thing. It, it would seem that way. It would okay. fit. It would it fit. Fits. It fits yeah. the mold. It's a Marsha you know. Gay Harden, uh, Laura Linney, Joan Allen. Joan Allen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Angie Harmon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Producers, Leah Holzer and Wenjin Shi. Editing, Anne McCabe. Casting, Abby Kaufman. Production designer, Jade Healy. And set decoration, Marissa Lombardo. Hey, very nice. Ooh. I do have a question. Mm. I asked you once, like seven years ago over text, and um, I didn't get an answer. Ooh, dear. With casting, mm. I feel like Abby Kaufman, and then there's one that's an Allison. Are those humans or are those agencies? Ah, uh, great question. Um, they are. They're humans. Okay. But they are sort of institutions. I mean, sure. But like, Abby- a, like a potentially like a law firm that would be join Jones. Moyers and Buns, and there right. are joints, Moyers and Buns, but there are also other people that are working for them. Oh, that's, that's Abby Kaufman. Tobin is showing her to me. Mm-hmm. Also, could fit the mold. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. True. Totally. Totally. Uh, and Abby Kaufman is like, I mean, she's the you one. Just go on and on. I mean, it's yeah. Brokeback Mountain, and you know, all the things. All the things. Cool. Excellent. Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah. Tobin, I think it's very important that you give us a synopsis <laughs> and I'll tell better. you more about why when we start talking, but let's, oh. let's set the stage. Okay. Let's see how I do. Investigative journalist, new parent and troubled soul Lloyd Vogel, played by everyone's second favorite Welshman, Matthew Reese, is assigned to write a profile of the one and only Mr. Fred Rogers, played by who else? Tom Hanks. Convinced there must be some. <laughs> 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 I wasn't even looking at you. I was giving you space. No, it's entirely my own. Yeah. <clears throat> Convinced there must be something. Convinced there must be some hidden darkness lurking under Fred's earnest, compassionate persona and struggling with pain and trauma in his own life, Lloyd's interactions with the children's TV star eventually unearth his own deeply buried humanity and set him on a course of healing and profound self-acceptance. It's not about putting on a false smile or pretending it's always a bright, sunny day. It's about honoring your own feelings and finding ways to express and work through them without doing harm to yourself or anyone else. Okay. Okay. Here's here's what I want to say. I want to start okay. with something. Okay. I think I'm going to have to separate some things a little bit in cool. this in terms okay. of our charge that we've given ourselves and talking about a movie. Okay. Um I I should say I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a father, a son, a holy ghost. A man. <laughs> okay. Um and so I there's certainly um interesting aspects of all of that that I know that I don't understand, but I'm glad to potentially understand a little bit more. And then I have other great, like, nice things to say about it. But the first thing that came to mind was I get why, in general, what I've heard from just random people Mm -hmm. is not entirely positive. Mm -hmm. 
Like, it's kind of a weird movie. Like, if, yeah. if someone says incorrectly, do you want to watch this movie about Mr. Rogers? I can see why people are disappointed or, like, not sure. And what it reminds me of, but not the outcome, is a little bit like Magic Mike in that there's that, oh, do you want to see a movie about male strippers? But really, it's really? about mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. In that case, though, I think it made everyone happy. Um, I think if 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 people go in either with understanding of kind of truly what it's about mm-hmm. or if you don't have that understanding but you've sat down to watch it i would say push through it's an excellent movie but it wasn't what i expected and if you want a movie about mr rogers watch the documentary mm-hmm. i think they pair nicely together mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um but it's it's a weird movie mm-hmm. okay it's funny. That's was that was. Uh, so I was on um, uh, the uh, Tom Hanks. Were we doing another cruise? I can't remember. I was doing a cruise or Hanks. No, Hanks because it was. Um, sorry, sorry. I'm. <laughs> I was on the uh, Tom Hanks, Hanks podcast. For Hanks for the memories mm-hmm. and doing Charlie Wilson's War, and oh, mentioned yeah. that we would be doing this movie, mm-hmm. and that I had not yet seen it, and. Um, Joey's comment was that it was weird. This is a, good, it's a oh, weird movie. Oh no, I had the same comment Joey did. <laughs> Don't sound so disheartened. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, so uh, you know, I, and I knew going in because having talked to st- students who'd seen it um, and and read reviews that you know, knowing that it was not a biopic of right. Um, Fred Rogers, that it was mm-hmm. the journalist's story. Right. Um, so I, I at least knew that going in. There was some formal weirdness uh, in terms of the way that the thing is told through a Mr. Rogers episode as though. Right. Which is which is which is weird, which is, you know. And then like the, you were talking about the set design, but like the air, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when yeah. you go to the airplane and the it felt a little bit like a musical to me in the weird, like, pardon the um, reference, but like Inception-y, dreamy, dreamy, dreamy uh-huh. sequence uh-huh. in the middle. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, <laughs> it was, yeah. Inter- anyway, go on. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I, look, bottom line, I don't love this movie. I admire a lot in this movie. And I think that the, I think that, I think that the criticisms of it are I think they're sort of they're legitimate criticisms of the movie. I kind of like the fact that it's not a mm-hmm. here's Mr. Rogers becoming Mr. Yeah. Rogers and like it's coming at it's him from kind of a side movie. angle. It's a different movie. Yeah. And, and I think that that movie as a with Mr. Rogers at the center of that movie in a fictional sense would be mm-hmm. kind of insufferable or sure. easily insufferable as sure. opposed to throwing someone who's sort of against Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. and, and finding out how Mr. Rogers absorbs that person and they, and sort of yeah. they come out differently. So, yeah, I agree. I thought that, that, because there's several times too, that like the social anxiety part mm-hmm. of me was just like from both sides. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you couldn't see my face folks. I made a face of anxiety. It's a good, it's a good face. Like, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Either of the way that, um, Lloyd approached Fred mm-hmm. with it. I was like, Oh geez. Or the way Fred responded back 
if I was um, identifying with Lloyd in that moment, mm-hmm. like there were a lot of like, oh, oh God, mm-hmm. why did you say that? Um, mm-hmm. What I, as, again, not a man in any way, um, but the part that I, I think identified with most at the beginning was Lloyd's skepticism. Mm-hmm. Because when I watched the documentary in this world where so many of the people we admire mm-hmm. have uh, turned out to be flawed in ways that I find so personally sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, that I, even in the documentary, even knowing that wasn't what it was going to be, I was waiting for the documentary to turn right. and for right. this guy to be a creepster. Right. And knowing that that wasn't going to happen, but I had that, like, this has the setup of mm-hmm. going very, right, very badly. Right, right, right. So I got, like, that part of Lloyd, I totally got at right. the beginning. Because right. I, even knowing, even in my universe, I had the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think their scenes where my, I mean, the movie's about the two of them, but like when they were talking, despite the anxiety, were when sort of my favorite face, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. aspects of it. Um, yeah. The, the, um, there's a scene in a diner mm-hmm. sort of in the middle or just past the middle of the movie um, where Fred says, sit with me in silence for a minute. Mm-hmm. And the, the audience or the the people in the diner all go silent too, and the movie goes silent for a full sixty seconds, mm-hmm. and the camera's pushing in on on Lloyd as he's trying to, to deal with this, and it pushes in on Fred, and then Fred looks right at us, yeah, and it just brings us us into that moment, and I, I'm imagining watching it in the movie theater with a crowd and what that would be like to sit in silence with the actor looking at you through the screen, you know, and yeah. how that puts us in Lloyd's point of view in that moment and i those were my i agree those i i had the same feeling of those scenes being the most potent ones in the movie well and for someone so familiar i mean we can talk about the Mm. impersonation Mm -hmm. if you will um Mm -hmm. i'm looking at because i want to get get the last name correct too um enrico colantoni who is um, Mike? No, Bill. The um, the handler that they took from the governor's yes. office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Veronica Mars' dad. Rico. Oh, right. Um, so I just a quick little shout out that I just I think he's so <laughs> fantastic and and I thought he was I was also thought okay is he the creep like mm-hmm. I'm sorry I've been in, <laughs> in a movie full of men many of whom are actual people. I was trying to spot the creep. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, spot case. the creep is the is the name of the, the game. Is the game game <laughs> and 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 it gave us one right the you know, uh, Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper. I was like, old men you love. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and was Chris Cooper? Did he also play the mailman? No. Okay, that was just a figment of my imagination. There was one. In the dream sequence, he does for one oh, shot. Okay, okay, but, but not that first time we not, see him. Mr. Mr. McFeely is played by a different actor in the okay. rest of the thing. Gotcha. This is what yeah. I mean. I'm not a um, creepy dream sequence is not my favorite <laughs> storytelling mechanism. Yeah, um, yeah. They're so often so cheap. Yeah, 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's such why. an interesting pairing while we're on Chris Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> um, that he's, cause he's the, you know, he's the dad in this and then he's the neighbor in little women in a very, very different role. Uh, but the same year, right. Playing father figures of two very different kinds. Yeah. In the same year. Um, it's like the range of that man is uh, really, really amazing. For Chris Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. So what did you think of the Hanks of it all? I mean, I think you, you use the phrase American treasure more than I do, or you have, I've heard it. I think it's undeniable that Tom Hanks is a gift to us all as Mm -hmm. is Rita Wilson. Let's be absolutely got it. Um, And it was one of those, it was a, I think a heavily publicized casting Mm-hmm. decision yep um and once you hear that it's like oh of course i mean who, who else, else? <laughs> yeah. um having seen the documentary somewhat recently and then watching some of the um tidbits that that they showed in the movie like watching the actual clips and other things mm-hmm. i i do think he did a great job mm-hmm. um i but all that kind of research has been recent so i don't know you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, without knowing very much, it felt authentic to me. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that kind of calm, open presence mm-hmm. is unsettling. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot yeah. for people. And I, I really liked the way the um, kind of the in-group, out-group a little bit of like the folks on the set Mm-hmm. all knew and i like i that um like knew who who he was what he was going to be like how long it's going to take for him to talk to this person or that person <laughs> right, right and not in a disrespectful way but like the kind of mystique was gone for them and it was just this is our we're in his world versus mm-hmm. people from the outside for whom he was a different kind of character mm-hmm. and i liked i liked seeing that that felt pretty true um and i would be uh, taken aback if someone so calmly but persistently asked me the next question and the next question yeah. to get to um, whatever it was that they felt was the the nugget. Mm-hmm. Um, the interaction I think I loved the best was um, hit Mr. Rogers and um, Andrea that is um, Lloyd's wife that first mm-hmm. he calls at like five in the morning or whatever <laughs> and and says oh Andrea I'm so sorry and then she's like Mr. Rogers knows my name <laughs> and then much later when he's at the house with the whole family and he yeah. asks her a fairly personal question about how are you feeling about daycare and and this and that she says you're not the only one who gets to talk to Mr. Rogers <laughs> yes, yes I loved that I yeah. and and as kind of the main female in the um, film. Uh, I really liked the, the fun she was that character and that the um, actress was able to have with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know her well. I've seen a few episodes of um, this is us. My understanding is that she's a beloved, plays a beloved character on that program as well. Oh, okay. In that, yeah. um, 
similar in the premise of I, I, I'm in love with a man who's searching for something mm, mm. Um, and has potential daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I liked her. I don't know. I sort of went off off in a, on a tangent there. Yeah. I, I, you know, the in thinking about the th- things of the movie that didn't work as well, I was trying to put together what it was about the daddy issue stuff that I didn't, that didn't connect with me the way I think the movie wanted it. To. And I don't know if it's that they're, oh gosh, did it feel at all a little um, expected? Like, sure. There, there weren't a lot of surprises to me in the arc of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's meant to be that it's the uniqueness of Fred Rogers and the interactions that Lloyd has with Fred that mm-hmm. makes it different then. Mm-hmm. But you felt like you could kind of pluck out the father son stuff yeah. and put it in any other movie and it would sort of work its way out the same. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, and this, feel free to take out, a little part of me, I had a little bit of like, okay, boomer, um, on it, because I think (laughs) that attitude of like, regardless of anything that's happened, now this person is at the end of their life and is repenting, and we must gather around them, because that is what you do. And absolutely, if that's what you feel like you should do, Mm -hmm. or you are driven to do. But I also want people to have permission to not re-engage with something that's toxic and unhealthy and and potentially abusive that we don't know that, right? We don't know nearly enough about it, but, but that that is also okay. And Mm -hmm. it, it seems like a somewhat of a generational, maybe Mm. sort of, Obligation is not the right word because again, it's um, absolutely. If that's what you feel like you should do, do it. But, but yes, I agree with you that it, there were no sort of surprises there. I mean, I was surprised that they drove to wherever Jerry's house was, but that to all, can I say, Mm -hmm. I also kind of didn't like because I wanted Mr. Rogers to be there for Lloyd. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want Mr. Rogers to be there for Jerry. Mm-hmm. That's a really mean thing. Apparently I'm not a, <laughs> Jerry's not redeemable for me. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, also we don't get, a, we get, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Maybe that there's not the specificity in the, Mm. Our understanding of the what happened between mm-hmm. Jerry and Lloyd and uh, what's her name? What's the Jerry's? Sister. No, the mom. Oh, Dorothy. Dorothy. Well, I yes. Don't know the mom. Dorothy's oh, his, his companion the of fifteen years. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I meant the mom. The the. Yeah. You know, I, I, God, yeah. I don't know. I, I a part of me feels bad. Um, dragging this movie at all because it is I think it is made with so much compassion and so much earnestness and it's mm-hmm. it's so smart about so many things sure. but, I, but I oh I just I wanted to love it 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like I wanted yeah. to love it and I didn't love it. <laughs> and in terms of what I'm going to watch again, it's going to be the documentary. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. And the, um, right. The, I mean, still it sticks with me. The, the last sort of scene with the representative from the, you know, Rogers foundation now talking about creativity and individuality and, and, you know, those, kind of higher goals that Mm -hmm. for some are icing on the cake and for Mr. Rogers are foundational to humans. Um, And so when he, you know, all the stuff about the stuff that crosses over is the stuff I liked. So everyone feels mad. Everyone feels sad. It's what you do with it. And that's, there are a lot of things that I say to people like that I'm working with that are similar, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is the situation you're in. We can't change that, but we can change, you know, the work we do now and, you know, kind of whatever, if someone has feels like they have made a mistake. Okay. We have an opportunity to change the pattern and change, you know, so right. all that kind of stuff. And that, um, the kids are, I, I liked the Oprah bit which seemed a little bit like Oprah was asking the wrong questions. Um, <laughs> but of, of like, well, the kids are right here. You can learn from them. You can yeah. ask them. You can, yeah. it's not this versus thing that they're all humans too. And so like, all, yeah, all that stuff I loved, but, and, and everyone acted it well, but I just, yeah, I agree. You can lift out the, um, Lloyd and Jerry narrative and yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. No. I, I do think that the the um, the movie itself, and I, when I say that, I'm in, in my mind, I'm talking about the scenes between um, Lloyd and Fred, but the movie itself is made with the kind with the uh, the intention behind the movie feels like the same kind of um, radical compassion that. Mm. Mr. Rogers himself exhibited. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, um, the, the, the range of emotions is broad. Mm -hmm. They are presented to you directly. Mm -hmm. It's not coy in the way it looks in the way it's, I mean, having that dream sequence in there, having this weird thing where the, where Mr. Rogers comes out. of, of Lloyd. Lloyd with his face you know, here's, up. here's all the and here's my friend Lloyd and you go into those pictures like we, we, we were in a Mr. Rogers recreation and now this picture is like the dissonance of that it's all just presented to us in a way mm-hmm. that's like here's this person in pain and you know so I so I admire the the craft of that and the I just I just and maybe it's a Maybe it's a um, – I don't know that Lloyd is the best way into Mr. Rogers because – and again, that's not the point of the movie. is is more about Lloyd than it is about Mr. Rogers. And right. um, fine. That's fine. Um, and like I said, I don't want the – here's how Mr. Rogers started and here's scenes with his kids and, you know, but I – but I, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm just kind of repeating myself. I – not – Yes, I agree with what you said. Not that you're repeating yourself, but um, <laughs> that reminded me the other part that I, the other aspect that I really did like was the, um, was Joanne, his his wife, Joanne. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Marion Plunkett. Marion Plunkett's the actor. Oh, that's why I'm getting confused. Now we're going to look it up. Now we're going to look it up. Jo- yeah, Joanne. I was right. The Marianne threw me. Um, I loved um, that every like every sentence <laughs> Mr. Rogers said mm-hmm. had Joanne in it or said we. Mm-hmm. And that he was taking mm-hmm. all those pictures for her. Yes, I, mean, I love he that. Right, but he, he was. Yeah. And you can imagine, you know, I don't know if every week he got things to developed or what and him you know showing her all the people that he met yes yes um, and then the interactions between lloyd and joanne yes because you get but you know lloyd is still trying to get at what is this thing <laughs> yes yes and she's in such a unique position to to truly know him like 360 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so lloyd is trying to like use her as a source but then she's kind of spouting a similar line that he would, I don't know. I, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I really liked that piece too. And I, um, I am more interested in what is the Rogers family? Like, how do mm-hmm. you grow up being a kid of, of Mr. Rogers or being the wife of Mr. Rogers mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, so um, those were more interesting to me than mm-hmm. Lloyd, like growing up and getting, <laughs> yeah, not getting over because I'm that's not what I'm trying to say, yeah. but like processing what he needs to process in order right. to be free of it. Right. Um, because again, I, that is a movie, any movie about any man, I can <laughs> I can get that story out of, right? Um, I wonder too, though, whose decision it was and how. I mean, we've talked, we talk about mismarketing a lot, but like you put Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers on the front cover, beautiful day in the neighborhood. I don't understand. I don't understand because that is not the movie. Yeah. So again, is it so smart or was it an incorrect kind of set of choices? Um, Well, the movie didn't do very well, so. Right. Um, and whether that's because people didn't want to go see a movie that's, a, you know, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, you know, whether they didn't want to go see the movie that was marketed or they should have marketed this movie differently to a different yeah. kind of crowd. I mean, is it, we, we should talk about Marielle Heller and sort of the arc of her career, the, the director of the movie. Um, yes, please tell me more. Um, I don't know her. Uh, Mary Heller, uh, is it was um, Diary of a Teenage Girl her first movie or her? Oh, yeah. Um, she's one year younger than I am. Um, Diary of a Teenage Girl, and then the other, the other, uh, her other big movie was, um, the Can You Ever Forgive Me from the year before uh, with Melissa McCarthy, and um, yeah. Oh, uh, Richard, Grant. Richard Grant. Grant. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and both of those are oh, rough-edged. Yeah, so this really does fit with it that. It really fits in it. Like, she is the perfect person to make this movie. It's just that, I don't know, this movie is the one that I want to, yeah. to be made, you know? Yeah. But that's why it feels so weird. It, she's a she's a indie director who makes 
you know, who sort of follows her own vision and um, makes movies, makes unapologetic movies. Sometimes mm-hmm. those unapologetic movies are about bad people behaving badly. Sometimes they're about good people behaving badly. Sometimes they're about good and bad people behaving good. And, I mean, it's, but they're just, yeah. they just are, you know, and yeah. they're, and they're, um, they're not, uh, the edges aren't sanded off these movies. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it, it it fits in that in that kind of you know in the way that comes together it's just i just i just am not yes so so it fits it fits and i and i and i'm a, a, i am a i count myself a big fan of hers this is not sure. like this is my god this is this big misstep because i think that the, a lot of i don't think the problems in this movie are in the directing of the movie i think it has to do with the conception of the story and the way that that story is you know Mm-hmm. The, our way in and all that kind of stuff is just a little, blah, a little bland. Um, but what she teased out in terms of the performances, I mean, it's not Matthew Reese's fault no. <laughs> that his or, or Chris Cooper's that their storyline it leaves leaves me a little cold. I think it's maybe the writing. I think it's maybe the choice of of narrative as opposed to um, the the performances. And and so um, I'm looking forward. And the reason I. The reason I suggested we do this movie of her yeah. three films is because it was the newer one that I hadn't seen. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, this is great. And we have like a cage club connection because they're doing the Tom Hanks thing. And, you know, like it felt like we could sort of and I we should have done one of the other movies, I think, because I, I just I just think that they're more they're more directly successful to her. Um, it's a it's a better, ex, uh, uh, full, more full expression of who she is as a filmmaker. I think those those first two movies. Yeah. I, having seen only one of those two, um, I can't, I can't agree or disagree other than to say that I think the other two have more that we could talk about in terms of women in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, or, you know, f- fearless performances, fearless characters. Um But that's not what we did. We did this. We and did this. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, me too. What did you think of the Hanks of it all? I think Hanks is great. I think that the that that he is able to. I mean, no surprise. <laughs> hot take of all hot takes. Tom Hanks is great. Um, I think that he is. As we said at the beginning, who else plays this role? I yeah. mean, there's nobody else. I think who could they they do this they do this um, game on the um, Hanks and Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, podcasts where they say we watch a Tom Cruise movie and then you imagine could Tom Hanks play this role and then you watch a Tom <laughs> Hanks movie and you imagine could Tom Cruise play this role. Tom Cruise could not play this role. This 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 is not one that would fit. And I and I, I so you know you need your you need your contemporary Jimmy Jimmy Stewart. You need yeah. your, you need a character who you would be, you would believe is truly fundamentally decent. Yeah, and to to almost superhuman decency, although. Joanne makes the point. It's not, he's not superhuman. It's not, Mm -hmm. it takes work. He practices this. I like that. He he has a temper. He has to like that, that he wrestles with, with these things. And I think that um, he, so I think he was a perfect choice. There's a little bit of um, you spend, I spend some time in the movie thinking, Oh, look, that's a great impression of of, uh, Mr. Rogers. And I kind of want to go watch Mr. Rogers. I do have to tell, that reminds me of one story I do have to tell. So, um, last year, I think about the time this movie was coming out, um, 
uh, we one night we were looking for something to watch with the kids and we thought, okay, well, let's watch. I was like, I want to show them little Mr. Rogers. Like they haven't, they don't know Mr. Rogers and they're mm-hmm. six and eight. Mm-hmm. And and so I found a Mr. Rogers episode where Mr. Rogers um, has a, um, there's a, a football player for the Pittsburgh Steelers who apparently was this really good uh, receiver or something um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he came so Mr. Rogers showed clips of him in playing football and then went to meet him at his at his ballet class. Aww. And so it was sort of both things my kids were interested in at the time, yeah. ballet and football, and sort of combined. And they and I was a little worried that my older child would not be would would, you know, you know, not be as interested, not be as into it. And they both mm-hmm. loved it. And it opened up the world. And I was like watching just this regular episode of Mr. Roger Rogers yeah. was choking back tears in the back of the room as he's, as Mr. Rogers is just slowly and compassionately and with yeah. interest unpacking the things that they're coming across and talking about. And it's just like, oh, it's just this gaping hole in society. That's not, you know, so, so I, um, that's what this movie made me really want to do is go back and watch mm-hmm. more Mr. Rogers with my kids and not, or just me. Uh, and you can find most seasons on Amazon prime. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so I, that's, that's sort of what I wanted to do. Like that's what the movie moved me to do, not to watch it again, but to go watch some actual, actual Mr. Mr. Rogers. Rogers. So I think, I think, I think Hank's, you know, um, and, and, and there were times where it, it didn't feel like a, impersonation and it felt i think mostly when he wasn't on the set like when he was mm-hmm. on the set because since my it's burned into my memory you know t- oh, mr rogers and what he was like and what he sounded like and how he you know from from growing up watching with nothing you know watching mr rogers that when he was off the set is when he would i feel like tanks kind of flew with the role you mm-hmm. know um yeah i don't know yeah so uh, five stars tom hanks Speaking of Tom Hanks, um, to bring it back to the uh, times that we're in right now. Yeah. What would Mr. Rogers say about the pandemic? You know, I mean, one, I think he would he would talk about masks as um, not unlike Dan Levy. Um, Uh, Yes. Yes. I saw this. This is is kindness. This is a gesture of kindness. Yes. This is you um, taking care of the people around you. Yeah. And, and, and showing them that you care about them. Um, and he would do yeah. some fun design on it. Like he'd say, look, you can color it and you can mm-hmm. you know, do this and that. And you listen to the, listen to the helpers and, you know, you don't have to solve the whole thing. You get to just take care of your part of it. And you might have people in your life who are sick and you might lose people. And, you know, but they're not really gone. They're like, you know, he'd do the whole, like, it would be what we need. <laughs> it yeah. would be all the things. It would be all the things. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. At least we've, you know, and that's what I, the, uh, the, the, um, I think the other reason that I became so emotional watching Mr. Rogers with my kids was thinking that they don't have a daily dose of this. Yeah. Like their generation, there's now several generations of kids who, who've not, had Mr. Rogers, you know, four days a week after school or however often it, mm-hmm. it would, it would play, um, you know, now that there are a million channels and apps and, you know, and I don't want to be the person who's like, Oh, technology is ruining it. I just like, just Mr. Rogers, I just miss Mr. Rogers is really, sure. is really but what because it is. of the, everything we have access to, like you say, a lot of the, 
um, seasons are available. So you can go back and, and find um, those particular ones that. Yeah. Did you have a favorite aspect of Mr. Rogers as a kid of the show? I remember an episode where they, so I've got two answers. One, I remember an episode where they, um, uh, which is apparently a very beloved episode. I learned as I was looking up once to show my kids an episode of going to a crayon factory, to a Crayola factory mm-hmm. and the seeing how the, like the process of how crayons were made. I, I still have such vivid memories of the machine sorting the colors and all the, um, and then rewatching the episodes. I, recognized things that I had internalized, but not, but didn't remember. Like, that's the thing Mm -hmm. I just, if you said, Mr. Rogers, what's your favorite episode? I would say the Crayola crayon episode, but then watching it it was like that. The thing that Hank's got so well, the stillness, Mm -hmm. the, the interest, the, like you see him processing a thought before he speaks Mm -hmm. and looking at us and inviting us in to observe the things he's seeing. And that kind of, um, calm engagement in the world and mm-hmm. your own, your own feelings was I realized that's something that I had absorbed without sort of remembering. Consciously. Yeah. What about you? What what do you do you have memories of Mr. Rogers at all? I, I do. I had mine my version of the crayon one is the magazine one. And oh, so really? yeah when they cool. first showed that I was like I I saw this episode. Um and then the other stuff I always liked when they were when he was making something Mm. in the place like the sound was Mm. always like good construction paper Mm -hmm. and like i don't know the the sounds and the kind of just watching him make things i really liked i was not ever as much of a fan of the puppet part like mm-hmm. I remember because he would do a thing yeah. or they would go somewhere or have a guest and then the train would go by and you'd go into the puppet part. And that wasn't what drew me in. Right. Um, but uh, so I'm glad that it wasn't a lot about that. Yeah. What's interesting. To, so the other thing now that you mentioned that, that I remember is that um, while my kids have not watched Mr. Rogers, they have watched a lot of Daniel Tiger. A lot of Daniel Tiger. Yeah. And so especially for my then five-year-old, I guess she was five when we were watching it, the the cognitive dissonance of seeing those characters is, as puppets in the right. thing and like wait, as like antique puppets. Yes, yes. Is this weird retrofitting how does this all fit uh, kind of thing. But now I remember that that so that's their their more their deeper connection to it is through Daniel yeah. Tiger. Um, I did think that that, that was the scene where uh, Lloyd watches uh, Fred mm. do the puppet and sing, mm-hmm. and it just yeah. sticks on the two of them. It's mm-hmm. I thought that was wonderful. And then then when Fred brings the puppets to the <laughs> or he gets there at his, like, his apartment, Lloyd just can't do it. Can't do it. And like I get it. Like yeah, I, I get that. But then Hanks is like, or, or, or you know, Fred is looking at the <laughs> the puppet. <laughs> And turn, like the puppet continues is, yeah. continues to be its own character in the scene until he takes it off his hand. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's 
weird and funny and but also feels so you know sort of right and specific to the moment i kind of want i kind of want just like a cut of this movie that's just the the lloyd and fred stuff and then Mm -hmm. the last scene with fred alone in the studio as he Mm -hmm. walks to the piano and everyone else has disappeared from the set and the camera pulls back and the lights go out and he plays and then bangs the low keys and Mm -hmm. like you can see him doing some of the processing that he does mm-hmm. in the, that he describes in the rest of the movie. I thought, I did think that was a great, a great kind of grace note at the end of the movie. Yeah. And the, I think the way that the music, um, like the scoring of it fit was in untheme with the Mr. Rogers of it all mm-hmm. in the same way that the, or it's to me, it's parallel to the way that they did the, miniature sets for the airplanes and stuff um that it was always a little bit of mr rogers episode but also not mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah publish just reminds me um do you remember the um like antique but i don't know like seemed to be high-end puppets at munyer's house oh sure sure i thought they were yes related to the mr rogers puppets yes like that, obviously, if Mr. Rogers had some, then Munyer would have some, too. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just, of course. Same vintage. Um, I mean, they had the same kind mm-hmm. of fur, the same. Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep, yep. And like more lifelike, like the you go, you mm-hmm. go to a toy store today to buy puppets and they're almost like it's a skunk. It's like a, it's like a cartoon. Well, because I go with kids to I stores. <laughs> I love puppets. So I look at the puppets, but it's like they're like it's a cartoon alligator. It's a cartoon right. cat. You know, and these were like, I remember Munyer had one of a, you know, was it a wire terrier? Must have been like a, like a dog. Mm-hmm. That looked like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> you're putting your hand up and you're like, oh, there's so, there's a little uncanny valley to those to those animals that um, I think of now as charming. That was also a little a little scary. They're a little creepy, yeah. They're a little creepy. As a lot of like antique doll stuff, I think is at some point in childhood. That, that is on brand for antique dolls, yeah. Um, hey Tobin. Hey, Iceland. I'm thinking. Desperately. As uh, viewers of the film will will know, that um, the assignment that Esquire gave Lloyd at the beginning was to ask Mr. Rogers some questions. They're doing an issue on heroes, and they um, are highlighting a lot of people, but just want 400 words on on heroes and it turned into something very different um but tobin i would like you to name for me Mm. a few let's say three to five heroes okay okay real people that you would either write a film about or write a book about or make a film about Ooh! Wow! Can they be from like any time in history? Any gender identity? Oh boy! Okay. Um, who can they living? So living or dead? Okay. 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 So I'm going to say. Um, uh, shall I go in order of? Um, I'm going to say Eleanor of Aquitaine. Okay. And who's on, on the on the wall behind me? Yeah. Lived with you intermittently throughout their life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a little bit of who is that? <laughs> uh, Eleanor Aquitaine was the only woman ever to be queen of France and England uh, in the 12th century. Uh, she's King Richard's mother, if you are familiar with Robin Hood and King Richard and all that. Um, and she engineered her own divorce. 
retained her land and started the English, the, the empire that became uh, England in uh, 1153. So, <laughs> excellent. That's a great era. Love her. Love her. Um, uh, Jeanette Rankin. The first woman elected to the U.S. Congress, elected before women had the right to vote, uh, elected from the great state of Montana. Uh, Voted against participating in both World War I and World War II. The only person to vote against both. The only person at all to vote against World War II. (laughs) Uh, A committed committed pacifist. Okay, I've got I'm going to go with another woman. (laughs) Since given our podcast, I'm going to say Rosalind Franklin who uh, discovered DNA, but was cheated out of the um, uh, notoriety, the rewards, the accolades, the credit, a couple of dudes. Um, and, and then I, and then I, I do need to pick a filmmaker. I'm gonna, a hero of mine is, um, is Steven Soderbergh. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the, an old fave. Excellent. And now, uh, now, just now be- I'm nervous. <laughs> That was the easy part, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because of the game, I am going to take one out. Okay. Um, One is eliminated before entering the ring. Oh, it's so tough, though. Okay, no, I won't. We'll just make it um, Shakespearean. So. Oh, Shakespearean. Thank you you for those um, (laughs) those heroes. Um, Mm -hmm. I encourage folks to think of all the heroes in their lives um, <laughs> on this network they have highlighted a number of let's say fantastic actors okay you've given me some heroes okay oh i'm going to looking through the cage club annals yes. <laughs> i'm going to pull out actors highlighted on the Cage Club Podcast Network, yeah, and then have you cast? I should have chosen different hero. heroes because people would know who these people are. But anyway, okay, yeah, okay, people fair enough. Should know who these people they are. They should know. Damn it, they should. They'll know now. Okay. Um. Now, am I casting guests or actors as these people? Uh, actors. I'm going to give okay. you. There's there are right and wrong answers. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. So let's All right. start with. One of my favorites. Okay. Jeanette Rankin. Yes. So if you uh, had the choice between Charlize Theron and Winona Ryder, both um, mm-hmm. actors highlighted in Cage Club podcasts. Right, right. Who would you choose? For Jeanette Rankin. Uh, for Jeanette Rankin, I would say Winona Ryder. And why? I think that um, you could get a miniseries made with Winona Ryder as the lead. Um, no, but I, I think that there is a um, uh, an uh, earnestness to Winona. There is a um, kind of, I don't know, There's a, Charlize has a kind of she does Dior ads and stuff, you know, and I, and she's Furiosa. And I just feel like there's a, a register that, um, uh, Winona Ryder operates in. It's a little quirky. That's a little, you know, um, but determined. And I think that that would fit Jeanette Rankin really well. I quirky determined. I'm putting, I'm, I'm putting it down. Winona. <laughs> All right. Are you going to tell me if I got it right or not, or not till the end? 
You said that's I, a right I, or wrong I, answer. True. And I, I would say I agree with your assessment there. Okay. <laughs> Here's where it's going to be tougher, I think. Ooh. Eleanor of Aquitaine. Is that going to be Kate Winslet? Or Charlize Theron? Oh, okay. So here's the thing about Eleanor of Aquitaine. <laughs> so the history of so Eleanor uh, was the wife was wife to two kings, both of whom at different times in their lives really despised her. The history of the time was written by the court historians for the kings of France oh, and England, my. who did not like her, and so she was, you know written quite poorly about she was also like the church was really not a fan of eleanor um she came from part of france that uh where women could um uh inherit property uh so anyway that's we're getting we're getting uh way off way off topic here but anyway so um therefore uh the the contemporary historians wrote very unfairly i think about her however the one thing they all said was she was the most beautiful woman in the world like what? they kept saying, like, you could say whatever you want about her. She's the spawn of the devil, but she's, she's gorgeous. gorgeous and was thought of that as so for the her entire like. And she lived to 90 something at a time when most people lived to 30. So oh. anyway, um, so because of that, I think you have to probably cast the Dior commercial woman okay. because she I think she has to has to sort of carry that. However, I think Kate Winslet would be really good too. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to say Charlize Theron. Okay, excellent. Who knew you'd be getting so much sort of um, European Middle Ages history in this oh. episode about Mister Rogers? <laughs> okay. I, I have the pilot for a mini series about Eleanor Agrotane written. If anybody out there has money and wants to make it, so I mean, I want to make it. I've always wanted to make a mini series with you. I don't yeah. have any money. Okay. Well, let me know when you do. Hey, thanks. Look at that. <laughs> then, I mean, gosh, Steven Soderbergh, this is tough because there are so many white men white that have had um, <laughs> podcasts uh, directed at them. So I'm going to give you a choice of three and you're going to tell me okay. why. We're okay. Go back to the classics and we're going to say, in your Steven Soderbergh movie, would Nicolas Cage play Soderbergh? <laughs> would Keanu Reeves play Soderbergh? Or would Shia LaBeouf play Soderbergh? Oh, man. I think that Cage is too... is too out there. Okay. So it's down to between Shia and Keanu. Now, Shia is maybe a little young unless you're doing early. And it might be interesting to do early Soderbergh. Like Soderbergh at 25, he makes Sex Lives and Videotape. Like that could be kind of interesting or the middle part of his middle of the early part. And so, okay, that's a possibility. However, it's because of Soderbergh that they're making a second Bill and Ted, a third Bill and Ted movie. It's Soderbergh's, had a, he had a hand in that. He's friends with Ed Solomon. They made Mosaic together, the writer of Bill and Ted, um, one of the co-writers. So, uh, But I'm going to say Shia because I think I'd like to see the Soderbergh of the post um, – yeah, post-sex on videotape. Uh, struggling Soderbergh. Yeah. 
Interesting. I like yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Well, based on my just quick scan, we're a little bit out of women. So I'm going <laughs> to let you pick who would play Rosalind Franklin, regardless of Cage Club um, history, Ooh. if you could cast anyone. You know what? I, I, I... I'm kind of tempted to to choose when you mentioned I'm kind of tempted to choose Kate Winslet. Um, yeah, I think she'd be great. I mean, there's a age thing a little bit, but like when has that stopped us before? I think she's um, a gen. I think Kate Winslet, I think, can play a wider range of ages than a lot of people. Don't you think? Yes. Maybe because she started so young, like we think of her as young. Anyway, I think she'd be a great uh, Rosalind Franklin. So I'll go with that Kate Winslet. Awesome. Well, thank Although you for helping. Ke- Ke- Keanu would be fun too, but that's a. Different I thought movie. about that, but then I didn't want to. Um, you know, there's a there's some like it hot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> bosom buddies. There's white chicks. You know, I didn't want to put us down a road uh, with a beloved figure that we didn't want to be on. I'm, I'm um, glad. I'm glad. But excellent. I am. I would uh, suggest that if listeners had a different casting based on Cage Club um, presentations, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead and tweet me and tell me who should play who should play the heroes based on the Cage Club pantheon of stars. <laughs> you won the, the game. What's that? the game i won the game oh everyone wins during the pandemic during, <laughs> mr rogers would say we're all winners that's true we're thanks for special. the game Aslan. that was wonderful <sighs> you're welcome after the game is when we talk uh when we give this uh the our films their rating is this progressive or regressive is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Tobin, what do you think? Uh, I am tempted to say neutral, that it's not either, but I'm going to say a step forward and here's why. Here is a movie about dudes, written by dudes. Large, we named two producers, but there are, I think, eight named producers, most of whom are dudes. A lot of them was sort of where the money came from, I think. Like It's a, a movie where there are a lot of dudes behind the scenes. And yet the movie bears the stamp of this female director, this woman director, uh, and stands, I think, shoulder to shoulder, or maybe a little shorter, but like pretty much shoulder to shoulder in her, you know, small so far, just because she's only been making movies for a few years. Um, Oof. And um, I think that, uh, so I think for that reason, because it, we, we shouldn't, I don't want us to, be in a world where women make movies about women and men make movies about men. And then then that, that, um, you know, it there should be cross pollination in all kinds of ways. And that this movie is an example of that, uh, I think is a little, little step forward. Well, Aizen, what do you think? I absolutely agree with everything you said. However, when I was thinking about it earlier today and thinking about, is this if I if I was looking for a movie or a clip of a movie that represented fearless women in front of and behind the camera? I just don't think this is what I would pick. Um, I, I once you 
framed it for me with her other work, then it sort of made a little bit more sense as a movie to me mm-hmm. rather than I had framed it with the other Fred Rogers piece. Um, so it is a, it is a well-made movie. And like you say, the things that we're critiquing or that didn't really resonate for us weren't about the directing. Mm-hmm. However, it just would not be a place I would point to, to say, you know, here's, right. here's fearless, fearless women. Um, and so I am going to land on neutral. Makes sense. Yep. Um, Heislin. Tobin. Uh, we're going to watch a movie for our next episode that I've Sounds never great. heard of. I've never oh, heard okay. of before. <laughs> uh, we're going to watch Troop Zero, which you an can Amazon find on original on Amazon, which you can find on, on Amazon Prime. Uh, we're going to try in the pandemic here to find easily accessible streaming titles uh, for you to, for our, all our many listeners to be able to catch up with. Um, so, yeah, so I know next to nothing about this movie, apart from what I Googled before we started the episode. Um, but a but another uh, uh, pair of women filmmakers. Um, and uh, I'm, yeah, so I'm excited. So watch Troop Zero and come back on June 30th to hear our, uh, our episode on Troop Zero. Um, Cool. Aizan, do you want to be found online? And if so, how do people find you? Sure. Uh, you can find me at Sassy Nerd MT on Twitter. Um, as I recently said to someone, I do not have notifications on. So it'll take me a few days to see it, likely. But um, say hello. Tell me about your heroes. And um, I hope I'm not misjudging the size of our audience. But um, I am making masks. And so if folks would like, do not have a cloth mask that is washable that they want to wear. Um, mine are tie. They're not elastic. Um, just in case folks have preferences. And they're all made out of uh, scraps from quilting. So they're all very bright and loud and optimistic. Um, but so if you're interested in a mask and tell us how much you like our podcast, I'll make you a mask. And may I say they are excellent masks they are they easily cover nose to chin but not not bit not like too big it's not hanging off anywhere you can turn your head to look around and Mm -hmm. you can also then the cool thing about it is that let's say you've been into the grocery store and you've been shopping and then you're not going anywhere else so you can take off your mask now but you don't want to touch your face because you haven't Mm -hmm. washed your hands yet because you're not home you just reach up behind your head to the higher of the two knots that you've tied pull it untied and it flops down in front of you like you are a surgeon. And so you suddenly look at Hey, like a surgeon, well, like a bib, yeah. and you, yeah. and then you, and then suddenly you look cool and uh, maybe not quite as cool as you look when you were wearing the masks because sure. the masks are very cool. And because it's cool to wear a mask, but you then have this mask dangling in front looks pretty cool and you've not contaminated your face. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. You can also just pull the bottom string and drop it in the washer, not having to touch the whole thing. Boom. 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 Hey Tobin, how about you? Can people find you online? Sadly, I am online on Twitter a lot more these days. Uh, I have found it, uh, not just sadly, I found it a way to keep up with people um, mid-pandemic. So, yes, I'm on Twitter, at Tobin Addington, uh, all one word. So, come say hello. 
And you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod. I have to be better about checking that. I've not been as good about checking uh, that oh. one, but I'll, I'll get I'll get better. I promise. If you write to me there at contenders underscore pod, I will see it and write back. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon at the contenders Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. Woo woo. Seriously. Thank you. And thank you to all our Patreon members because this is how we are able to do this show honestly like it's because of you that i can see tobin every time now we can see each other we pay we pay for this service to be able to see each other we pay to be able to edit this show and make it sound as nice as it usually does so um truly our sincere thanks we love doing this show and uh you make it possible so you if you're not a member you can become a member today connect with other listeners and support our show just go to thecontenderspod.com, and you will learn all that wonderful information. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me. And you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at cageclubpod. For instance, Tobin, did you know that I am a guest on two recent episodes of High School Slumber Party? No. no, did Did you hurt anyone? I hope not. Well, I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> so we 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 went on to the Fast and Furious episode show, oh, and I think we, we scarred people. We did hurt people. them in the feelings. We did. Yeah. Um, no, I. Um, there's an episode that's out now that came out in early May. Yeah. Uh, about Perks of Being Wallflower, which is my Ooh. favorite piece of fiction. Yeah. Okay. okay. And um, then uh, in their cheerleading series mm-hmm. um i will appear on the fired up episode a film i've made toe and watch yes you have. <laughs> um oh. i brought on a, a another feminist friend of mine um which made me nervous uh because i was afraid they were going to take my card but um but listen to that see how it all turned out uh oh, between the wait. three of us on the fired up episode that sounds and great Really, there's all kinds of fun stuff at cageclub.me. Um, and like I said before, uh, if you're on Twitter, go to or look them up at Cage Club Pod to see what episodes are dropping and when. And and while you're there, you could go. Isla and I were guests on um, what's the cruise one called? I forget the Rock name. Of ages? We are, well, no, Rock of Ages, but I don't know what, what the if you're looking for the show, what the show is called. Cru- oh, that's cruise. Called cruise Club. Is that what the show's called? I have their shows up. Let's look. Okay, okay. Hashtag Cruise Club. There you go. Okay, Cruise Club. Okay, so on Cruise Club, Isla and I were guests on the Rock of Ages episode, which our mother, who loves the movie, has listened to multiple times, even though Isla and I very much do not like the movie. It just brings her and Joey closer together. It does. It does. It does. They They have a history together, those two. Uh, so if you can't get enough of us, uh, you can go there and, uh, and check that one out. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Aislinn Addington. I'm Tobin Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. I did it again. <laughs> next time on the... <laughs> I'm Tobin Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Um, can I tell you a kind of disgusting story? Sure. (laughs) Uh, are you ready?
I am. Okay. Well, let's go. Are then. you ready? I will after I take this drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now you do the, as always thank you so much for listening oh i i thought you were just going to insert that nah, back i'd like in. to just i okay. mean i could but why <laughs> i'd rather make you do it again this sounds great even though you'll have to cut out all of this yes just yes. to be clear okay let's do the episode over again <laughs> <laughs> we did it with widows let's do it in one we can do it in one <laughs>